Hello, and welcome to the Tarot to Go radio podcast. I'm Anastasia Hazler, here with me tonight. Rose Red, hello everyone. And our very special guest that I'm still trying to get <laughs> get, get, get over my amazement um, is the great artist David Palladini, creator of the Aquarian Tarot and the new Palladini Tarot. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. I <laughs> Okay, I will not revert to a 14-year-old man girl here. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> it's okay. And hello to all your listeners. Uh, and and, and um, I'm, I'm very excited that um, we're able to speak with you. It's, it's a thrill for me personally because I've been working with your deck um, since I got into tarot, and, um, which was shortly after your deck came out. And it's been a constant companion for me, and it's been a great teacher, and I love working with it. That's a great blessing to my life. Thank you. Ah, thank you, David. So, um, so yes, yeah, so let's jump in and talk about the Aquarian Tarot. Um, I'm holding one of the original editions in my hands. It's the one I bought. <laughs> uh, it's the one I read with that travels with me everywhere. And it's a gorgeous deck. Thank you. Um, my, my first deck, as anybody who knows me, um, was the official James Bond 007 Tarot of the Witches. Uh, because that's the deck I could get at the time, uh, because it was 1972 and I was living in the Midwest and there wasn't a lot of options. <laughs> um, but then I found your deck, the Aquarian, and I, I would have bought it just for the name because I'm an Aquarius. <laughs> Are you? Yes, I am. Oh, how wonderful. Um, but then I got it home and I opened the box and I just fell in love with the colors and the images and the style. And, you know, it's very, very different from the Tarot of the Witches. Oh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> and, and it's just breathtakingly beautiful. And I fell in love with it. And I've been working with it ever since. Um, how did you come about? How, well, how did the deck come about? Well, um, I'll keep the story short. But many times in my life, um, men have walked into classrooms where I was <laughs> and changed my life. Uh-huh. Um, I was uh, at school at Pratt Institute in uh, in New York City. I, I had gotten a scholarship to go to art school there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had drawn ever since I was a young child. But I never I never really thought that art would be anything more than just a beautiful pleasure for me. Mm-hmm. And then I was in art school, and uh, this man walked into the room one day and called me over into the corner and said he wanted me to do a tarot deck for him. Wow. This was Lloyd Morgan of Morgan Press. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the original publisher of the Aquarian Tarot before U.S. Games got the rights to it. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, what is a tarot deck? You know? <laughs> I'd, I'd never heard that before. So, so I uh, went to work and looked it up and found out about it. And of course, got the Rider Waite deck. Mm-hmm. Rider Waite Morgan, we have to always mention the artist. Risk. She's often left out of the thing. They call it Rider Waite, but actually it's Rider Waite Morgan. Mm-hmm. And um, she... Um, she was a great inspiration to me, the artist of the Rider Waite deck, because she had also gone to Pratt Institute. I found out, really, which was yeah, which was an amazing, <laughs> amazing coincidence. Wow! And um, so I set about doing seventy-eight full-color pieces of artwork, um, and a lot of it came out of the inside of me. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. My hand was doing the drawing, which has often been the case in my life that I, I kind of got my ego out of the way and let the spirit come through me and let my hand do the work. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I got paid an enormous amount of money at the time because I was a student. And it, was, <laughs> it was only $100 a drawing, which is, of course, nothing. 
but $7,800 was a fortune to me at the time. So, Well, you know, for any college student. <laughs> absolutely. So I said, yes, yes, and I did the deck, and it went off into the world. And here we are 40 years later talking about it. Mm-hmm. I never dreamt that I, I would this would happen. And in fact, the first time I saw the printed deck was in a shop in New York City called Serendipity. Oh, perfect. Which, which had a wonderful ice cream shop, which is why I went in there. <laughs> and, and there on the rack was my tarot deck, and I picked it up, and I, I bought it. I still have the deck, the first deck that I bought. And I, I couldn't believe it. I walked around all day <laughs> looking at it, that a dream had become material. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not often the dreams become material. Usually they just stay dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a wonderful moment. And since then, I've gotten including your praise of the deck. I've gotten letters from all over the world of people who have, who have loved the deck and have, and have learned from it and grew from it, mm-hmm. which was my intention to do the deck in the first place was to, because, you know, the tarot is much misunderstood in the world. Mm-hmm. It's yes. thought of as some fortune-telling thing or some occult thing. Actually, the word occult is an interesting word. We think it's a, a dirty word, but actually it means hidden. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So occult knowledge actually is the most beautiful knowledge on earth because it's been hidden away to keep it away from, from liars and cheats and you know, and uh, but I wrote the deck, I, I did the deck and wrote the little booklet for it explaining that I wanted people to use this as a tool, mm-hmm. lay them out, look at the beauty of the artwork. I hoped that that would enhance what the meaning of the cards was, mm-hmm. and that they could uh, could look inside of themselves. And if they became proficient enough, as you have, to help it to use other people, mm-hmm. to to help other people. I'm sorry, to use it mm-hmm. to help other people. Yeah, no, it's it's and it's a beautiful deck visually. Um, the colors are just gorgeous. Um, the images are very easy to work with, and yet they give you a lot to think about. And everybody I read for with this deck just loves it. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Um, yeah, it's because it's I, 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 um, I usually have two or three decks that people can choose from sure, for their reading. Yeah. Um, but people are, are, are really drawn to this deck because of the colors, I think. Mm-hmm. Very true. And, and just, you know, because I'm looking at the star, which, again, being an Aquarius, I'm partial to this card. Are you? Oh, good. <laughs> and it's just so amazing, just the blend of colors, because usually the star, you know, it's depicted, it's a nighttime sky, it's dark, it's whatever. And yours, it's, it's you know, there's just kind of a neutral light background, and then this beautiful multicolored star and this beautiful multicolored bird. And it just, I think it really captures, you know, that idea of soul and hope and transcendence. Wow, beautiful, thank you. You know, the, we, we think of uh, stars as being out there in the night sky, you know, but actually our sun is a star, mm-hmm. and we exist because of our star. Mm-hmm. All the light that composes our body mm-hmm. and composes every living thing on Earth is actually starlight, it's sunlight. Mm-hmm. Without sunlight, we would not exist, and every cell of our body contains that energy, and so to me the star was also very important because... It's uh, it's kind of the whole basis of when I was when I was young, I used to go out in the backyard, Illinois. I grew up in Illinois. Mm-hmm. You being a Midwesterner. <laughs> yep. And this was before uh, cities had uh, become inflamed with electric lights, so you could actually see the night sky. Mm-hmm. And there were so many stars, and I used to wonder about everything that was going on up there, you know. And then it led me into astrology, the study of astrology, which is 
about the stars and, mm-hmm. and the combinations of stars and what they mean. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, the star was particularly important to me in the deck, as, as is the moon also. The moon is, has been my guardian in my life and my, and my guide mm-hmm. and my mother and my, and my lover. Mm-hmm. And uh, every time there's a full moon, I, I go out and talk to her. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, and the moon is a reflection of the sun, of course. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's lighted because of the sun's energy, so it's, it's kind of the sister to the sun. Mm-hmm. And so all of those things have been very important to me. And I, and I, you know, I tried to make the Im- all of the images in the deck mean something more than they just look like they mean. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A deeper meaning behind it, which I also try to do with all the other artwork in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that it works so well as a tarot deck and as a way of getting insight, um, you know, because it's, it's, there is a lot of detail in the cards. Yes. And it's really, because um, one of the things that I love is um, in some of the cards, there's almost like um, a crystallized pattern in some of the image. It's sort of like a crystallized energy. Is oh, how, beautiful. Is how I read it. Wow, beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I don't yeah. know if that's what you intended, but that's how I see it. Well, I think that's what came through me, you know, because crystals are alive also. Mm-hmm. They vibrate at a certain frequency as we do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, apropos of that, uh, I digress, but my early influences in my life were, um, I used to go to church all the time. My, my mother wanted me to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Which, thank goodness, didn't work out. <laughs> but... I used to look at the stained glass windows all the time, mm-hmm. and they were made of, you know, leaded crystal glass. Right. And when the colors came through, that's what really inspired me about the use of color. Oh, and, I can and, see that. And, and the whole the whole inspiration for having leaded glass windows in churches was, you know, in the early days, uh, no one could read, and so the images in the windows taught people the story of their religion, whatever mm-hmm. the religion was, you know. Mm-hmm. And that light coming through those windows from the sun again, from the star, taught people and illuminated their lives. Quite literally. Yes. And in fact, uh, I never thought of myself as an illustrator when I was doing, I did a lot of work in advertising in New York as an illustrator. Mm-hmm. I did Time Magazine cover and I did also, I did a book with Stephen King. I illustrated his book. Oh, wow. But, but the whole time that I was working, I did not think of myself as an illustrator. Hmm. I, was an, I was an illuminator. Ooh, nice. One, one of the early, uh, I, I assume you believe in past lives, yes? Yes. Well, during my life, I received from time to time little pieces of memories of my past lives, many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of them, I was a priest, in fact. <laughs> I was also a nun in another life, which is an interesting combination. Mm-hmm. But one of, the, one, of the thing, one of my past lives was I was a monk in an abbey, and I was illuminating manuscripts Ooh. in very bright colors with gold, and that was my job. And so every day I would sit by my window and do my work, but I would look out the window and see people living their lives, which I could not do because I was a monk. Right. And mm-hmm. I was kind of trapped in the monastery. Mm-hmm. And I wished that someday I could be out there walking and, and singing and dancing and living my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that my life today is a gift from the Creator about that, that That's I was allowed to live a life not sequestered. That's wonderful. That's amazing. Wow. That's, 
and then you give us this fabulous gift of this deck. Well, which came from I don't know where, but but again, the the energy from somewhere came through me, and and I've been able to transmit that to other people, and it's a wonderful blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it's really interesting because um, my my family doesn't know that I work so deeply with the tarot. Yes, um, I know it's a scary word to a lot of people. They they they, they don't actually know. Um, my paternal grandmother and um, my aunt, my dad's sister. New, um, because one well, time I was. Mothers are okay. You can tell them anything. Yeah, well, well, it's it's, it's funny. My, my my dad's mom, I could. My mom's mom, not so much. Um, but you know, lovely woman, but just this wouldn't fit with her reality. Um, but my dad's mom, at uh, one point, I was down there visiting, and my aunt just happened to be there. She was visiting. Um, well, lived in different cities, and my grandmother said, "Well, you know, I've got this major decision, and I don't know what to do." And my aunt said, "Well." If only you knew a tarot card reader. I said, well, and they didn't know I read. You know, they, they, they didn't know I read. And so I said, well, I'm happy to read for you. And she actually chose your deck for her reading. Oh, wow. Yeah, um, which is really cool. So that makes this even more special. She, she passed some years ago. Um, but being able to read for her. And it was very interesting reading because she wouldn't tell me what the question was. Um, but it's like, okay, this is, this is a really... So you had to divine the question? Um, it, well, well, actually later, um, it, it's, it's, I, I, I guessed and she would never actually confirm, but based on the cards that came up, um, she was considering getting married. Wow. Um, this would be husband number five. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she was, you know, it's, it's, it's uh... You know, she, she she liked her companionship, um, but you know the, the problem is, you know, none of the guys could keep up, and um, but you know looked at the cards, and you know she made her decision. She was like, oh okay, and a couple of weeks later she called. She said, well I'm getting I'm going to marry, you know this person. She was going to marry. I'm like, is that what the reading was about? And she would never admit that's what it was about, but I think it was. <laughs> um, did she marry? Yes, she did. Well, there you go. A successful <laughs> and, reading. Yeah, and, and they were very happy um, for a number of years until, unfortunately, he passed from cancer. Wow. But, um, but yeah, so, so but I, I just, I got a big kick out of it. And every time I pick this up, I think about my grandmother. So, May I ask you a question? Sure. Your beautiful name, Anastasia, how did you come to get that name? Um, that, that is actually my name. That's, that's... No. I know, but I mean, what, uh, it's uh, it's such an unusual name. Um, I'm actually named after one of my dad's ex-girlfriends. Oh, all right, I'll leave that alone. Just... Which my mom didn't know at the time. And then later she found out, you know, because somebody, you know, asked that question, well, where did that name come from? And, you know, could my dad have said, oh, I found it in a book or, you know, I named her after the Romanov princess right. or something. It was a poem I read. Well, well, it is a Russian name. It's true. Yeah. But, is, is, you know, did, did he cover? No. He just said, oh, I named her after one of my ex-girlfriends. And that was a really long ride home. Yes. That was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. It's my, my, like, ooh, we'll just talk about something else. That. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, so, so, so that's where it came from. And I, I, you know, I have no idea, you know, if her parents were Greek or Russian or novel readers or where they got it, you know, considering it was a you know, small town in the Midwest, <laughs> not a very common name, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's where it came from. So I funny. my father's name was named David. Yes. Well, you know, I wanted to say something about my name. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. that you mentioned David, David is a Hebrew name, mm-hmm. which means beloved by God. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yes. And my last name, Paladini, is an Italianization of the French word Paladin, or Paladin, as we say here, yes. which, is a, which is a knight of the king. Mm-hmm. 
So I am, my actual name means Knight of the King, Beloved by God. Wow. Which has, which has really guided my life because I knew that I had to fulfill certain things. To be a knight mm-hmm. is a very great, uh, very great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that through your artwork of reaching out and connecting with people and touching people and also allowing them to then reach out and connect with others. Yes. Um, yes, the chain, the great human chain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because after you did the Aquarian, um, then you worked on a second deck as well. Well, that's an interesting story, too. Um, I had moved, um, I lived in New York City for a while, then I moved to the Hamptons mm-hmm. uh, before it was uh, Hollywood East, as they call it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was all potato fields and right down to the ocean. It was just beautiful. Wow. And, uh, and I loved living there and working there. And then one day I decided to move, because I always had a dream about living in the West Indies, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the islands. I moved to Jamaica in the West Indies. Wow. And, and it, yeah, it was really great. I built a house there on the side of a hill overlooking the sea. Wow. And it was just, it was so wonderful. And then um, we had this um, system in Jamaica, which is that you have no telephones, because the telephones are very rare in Jamaica at the time. Mm-hmm. But you had a radio telephone, which meant that you called base, we call it. You call this guy sitting in a shack somewhere in Jamaica, <laughs> and, and he would connect you because he had an actual phone, mm-hmm. and he would connect you to the person you're calling in New York or wherever you're calling, oh, wow. and then they would call him back, and then he would relay what they said to me. <laughs> so you really are playing telephone. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so one day, uh, base called me and said, I have a phone call from you, for you from New York. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's... Uh, Stuart Kaplan from U.S. Game Systems. Oh, my God. <laughs> so wow. I got, on a, I got on the phone, and I got the message that he wanted me to do a second deck mm-hmm. because the first deck had been very successful. Mm-hmm. And this was, of course, 20-something years after I'd done the first deck. Mm-hmm. And I was a very different artist, and I was a much better artist, in my opinion. I think that the artwork in the second deck, the new Palladini Tarot, is of higher quality than the first deck. So that's just my opinion as an artist. Mm-hmm. And so I, he commissioned me to do a deck, and he said, I'll pay you $100 a card. <laughs> this is 25 years later. I said, Stuart, come on. Yeah. But, you know, I needed the money at the time. Right. And it was the opportunity to redo the thoughts from the first deck and the images. Mm-hmm. And the second deck, I, I wanted to include all the religions of the world in the images. Mm-hmm. Some of the images contain, you know, the Star of David, the Torah, mm-hmm. the cross, mm-hmm. all of them together in one image. So that because, let, let's face it, if you believe in a higher being, which I, I assume you do, mm-hmm. or, or some of your listeners do anyway, mm-hmm. that we're all one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter which book we're reading. It's about we're less than something bigger than us. And I know that in my life very clearly mm-hmm. because all the things that I've done in my life, the important things, have come without me being involved. They have happened to me or they have been created by my hand and my eyes without my supervision. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, a, a quick story, an aside. You, you can cut this out if you want, but <laughs> I, when I was living in Jamaica, I decided to leave and move to France, Ooh. where I lived for the last 18 years before I moved to California. Mm-hmm. And I tried to sell my house for a year, really desperately. And Jamaica's not the kind of place that people go to buy houses. Not cause usually. Because it's a very primitive island. Mm-hmm. It's not pacified like many of the, the Indies are, like Bahamas and stuff. Right. It's, it's a real African place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I tried and I tried to sell the house. 
And finally, one day, I fell down on my knees in the garden as I was planting flowers, trying to pretty the house up. And I said, I can't do this anymore. And I heard a voice inside of me. I didn't hear it with my ears, but I heard it inside my body. And it said, speak no more of these things. It shall be done. And that night, the singer Sade, mm-hmm. you know who she is? Mm-hmm. Smooth operator, right. diamond life. She arrived at my door and knocked on the door with her Rastafarian boyfriend who had dreadlocks down <laughs> to his knees. And she said, I heard your house is for sale. <laughs> wow. And wow. She, and she bought the house. That's that, fantastic. That night, that night, she bought the house. Wow. And this, this was not my doing, but that voice said, Wow. Speak no more of these things. It shall be done. And it took four or five hours, and it was done. That's amazing. And so that proved to me that there is something greater. It's mm-hmm. not God. It's not a flowing white beard. It's not any of that stuff. There's another intelligence going on here mm-hmm. of which we are all part of. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life. And I moved to France, and, uh, and it was great. <laughs> wow. What a fantastic story. It's amazing. Well, all of this is in the, the book that I'm, that I'm going to be sending you, which I just finished to you listeners, mm-hmm. which I'll talk about a little bit later. Cool. Cool. Um, or we can talk about it now if you'd like. Well, okay. My, <laughs> my latest project, which I just finished a couple of weeks ago, is called The Journal of an Artist. Mm-hmm. It's about my life and the experiences of my life as an artist and about the places that I've lived that I've been fortunate enough to live in in the world. Um, the Hamptons, uh, Jamaica, France, uh, mm-hmm. here in California, New York City. And I wrote it to, to help young artists understand the difficulties of the artistic life, but also the, the beauty of it, mm-hmm. because it is the most beautiful life, all the arts, you know. Any creative life is the most beautiful life, but you have to pay the biggest bill for it, mm-hmm. because you don't have any money. People don't understand what you're doing. I used to tell my students that, the problem with the artist's life is that you have to find somebody who has money in their pocket, who has a blank wall in their house, uh-huh. <laughs> and who sees life the same way you do through your eyes. Right. Yes. And that's, that combination in any art form is very difficult. Mm-hmm. As a writer, you have to try and communicate in your own way, and you hope that people won't laugh and throw it away, or you know somebody will buy it and put food on your table so you can eat. Mm-hmm. And that is the greatest challenge of the artist's life. So... I wrote this book to, to try to tell people, artists and other people, about what the artist's life really is like. Mm-hmm. Some wow. of it's funny, some of it's sad, uh, a lot of it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be possible for me to read a, a f- the first few lines from the book? Oh, that would be fantastic. We'd love that. Great. Thank you. Oh, thank um, you. The first entry in the book was written in East Hampton, Long Island in 1982. And it goes like this. Sometimes I wonder, how long can I keep doing this, this chasing after dreams? The dream is always just up ahead, a little out of arm's reach. This art, which does not even exist until I create it. And what is the dream I chase? It is to leave a mark on this world of woe before I turn to dust. To try to make something out of paper and paint and chalk, which will continue on after me to create parts of me which are passed on from mother to son because they are treasured. Each piece of art I make takes a little part of me. The more I create, the less of me there is. 
sometimes I wonder, how long can I keep doing this, this chasing after dreams? Wow. Wow. Thank you, David. That's... Thank you for hearing it. I, I, can, I can tell that it hits you in your heart. Definitely. Um... Oh, it's... And that's the problem with the artist's life. You're always chasing after impossible dreams. Who the heck cares about a piece of linen canvas hanging on a wall with an image on it, except those who can really see it mm-hmm. and, and feel it? Mm-hmm. And that's very, very rare. That's one in a million people. Yeah, and it's and yet you know this artistic impulse to create. If you have it, you can't ignore it. You can't. You can't stop it. <laughs> no, it's no. it's it it's going to happen. So you might as well just go with it and go for the ride. But like you said, sometimes you think, how long can I keep doing this? Um, but the answer is, you know, as long as you're incarnated on this plane, because that's what you're here to do. And I think that's very hard for some people because they don't want to accept what that means. And, and especially, uh, I, I don't mean to be un American here, but especially in this culture in America, art is ignored. They don't even teach art in schools anymore. Well, no, there's, there's no money in the budget for it. Well, yeah, Which, well, let's just print more money. What's the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, when I was when I was in grade school and high school and stuff, art was part of the curriculum. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, we had yeah, art we, classes, music yeah, class too, too and mm-hmm. there was dance class and all that stuff. None of that exists anymore. Mm-hmm. No, so and, and it's a shame because so many children are robbed of their heritage mm-hmm. by not being able to follow their dreams. Mm-hmm. They're just not allowed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's. I would love. So I keep telling people, when I am emperor of the world, things will be different with our educational system. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't gotten there yet. But, no. But that's my plan. Um, but no, it's, it's, I think it's very important. And I think not just for children. I think it's very important that children get that encouragement early. But I think it's just as equally important for teenagers and adults to have those kind of outlets. Because, I mean, I can't draw to save my life. Yes, you can. Well, it's, it's you know, it's the first time I took a drawing class, I had a great time. It was wonderful. And at the end of it, um, the teacher took me aside and said, so can I ask why you took this class? Well, that's a terrible teacher. And I said, well, you know, to have some fun and, you know, to get a little bit better at drawing. And um, and he said, okay, well, I just wanted to make sure that you weren't planning to become an artist or anything. Wow. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said. How sad. I said, one can be an artist, one does not have to be da Vinci. You know, it's, you know, I, you know, so I drew a horse and it looked more like an elephant than a horse. But, you know, I knew it was a horse. You know, my friends were willing to give me that it was a horse. Maybe they were just being generous. <laughs> but, you know, I, they, but the thing is, I enjoyed it. I had fun and I was able to express myself. And I think that's what's important about art is. But, but all the arts are just self-expression. That's all they are. Absolutely. Even if it's only a little line and a squiggle on a page, that is art. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. When I taught, uh, I taught day school at that uh, School of Visual Arts in New York, but I also taught night school. Mm-hmm. And most of the night school students were women mm-hmm. who had been disrupted. Their lives had been disrupted by, you know, the, the old dream, you know, get married, have children, you know, get a white dress and get married, all that crazy <laughs> stuff that right. women do. Mm-hmm. And they had come back after wanting to be an artist at 18 or 19, had come back in their 40s and 50s mm-hmm. to try it again. Mm-hmm. And I used to say to them, you refound yourselves, because that's who you really were. Mm-hmm. But you got diverted by life. Yeah. You, and, you... So, and so uh, I had a student who had cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. and she could barely hold a piece of chalk. Mm-hmm. 
And when she moved her hand, it shook all over the page. Mm -hmm. And I picked up the page and I said, wow, that's beautiful. And she said, no, I was trying to draw a straight line. (laughs) There was this this amazingly beautiful squiggle all over the page. Mm -hmm. And I said, but that's you. That's you right now. You have a disability, but that's you. Look at you. And it was such a beautiful drawing. I pinned it up on the wall. Everybody came and looked at it. Yeah, well, it's because nobody, nobody else could do that drawing that way. Exactly. And the whole point of being an artist is to do it differently than anyone else has done. It's the unique so self-expression. If you, if you can't be Da Vinci, that's good. Because mm-hmm. there was only one Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. And if you can't be, you know, Jackson Pollock, because he was crazy and drunk in his garage and pouring <laughs> paint all over the floor. And now it's in the biggest museums in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So he didn't know what he was doing, but he was expressing himself in the mm-hmm. only way he could. So never, uh, to all of you out there listening, as, as well as you, Anastasia, don't give up on it. No. You know, when, you, when you have a spare couple of hours, pick up a paper and a, and a, piece, of pen, uh, a, a piece of paper and a pencil and, and express yourself. Mm-hmm. And then if you really hate it, you know, burn it, throw it in the fireplace and burn it. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But you've done the artistic act, yeah. the act of, of giving yourself to the world. One of the hardest, I write about this in my book, Journal of an Artist, that one of the most difficult things for an artist to do is to sign the piece of artwork and put it up on the wall and let people see it. Mm-hmm. Because you're saying to the world, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is who I am. What do you think? And that's very scary. It's very scary because often the reaction is, what, are you kidding? <laughs> my kid could do that. Yeah. I always hear that. You know? Hey, my five-year-old kid could do that. Oh, okay. And it's like, well, actually, no, your five-year-old kid probably couldn't do that. But Not only that, but if you are a five-year-old and you can do that, I want to be your agent. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's I paint. Um, my 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 darling husband is very generous, and for my birthday and anniversary and Christmas and things, he buys me art supplies. Oh, great! The most and, expensive things on earth. And you know, it's like ah, I got a diamond ring. You know, it's it's I got this lovely ring. When we married, I don't need any more jewelry. Um, but he, jewelry is, you know, it's ridiculous. You know, but he 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 gives me watercolors and acrylics and temper oh, paints and things. Oh, you. And you know, so so I paint. You know, I stand in my window and paint and drink berry lemonade and. You know, have a good time, and it amuses me, and I feel good afterward. Um, it may never hang in the Louvre, but I enjoy it, and I think that's for me is what is important. Is I, you know, I want to do this. I feel like doing it, and I'm happier for it. The only paintings that hang in the Louvre were donated by the wealthy, <laughs> or, or stolen <laughs> by the Nazis. Right. That's what's hanging in the Louvre. Mm-hmm. In fact, the greatest artists who ever lived were never known. Mm-hmm. Um, when I moved to France, may I digress again? Of course. Yes, of course. The first place I went was Saint-Rémy-de-Provence, which is where Vincent van Gogh, for two years, lived in the insane asylum mm-hmm. before he went to Arles and shot himself. Um, and I, I touched the wall of the, of the insane asylum, mm-hmm. and again, the, the voice that I hear inside of myself came through and said, I'll say it in French first, Rest ici, c'est votre destin, which means stay here, it's your destiny. Mm-hmm. And it was my destiny. Wow. And I stayed there and I, and I went, uh, later on I went to Paris mm-hmm. to visit uh, Van Gogh's grave. Mm-hmm. Van Gogh actually is the Gogh. proper pronunciation. Van yes. Gogh. And his grave is a simple little slab of stone, which, by the way, took me an hour and a half to find. Mm-hmm. I know I asked the gatekeeper at the cemetery, I said, I'm looking for the grave of, you know, Vincent Van Gogh. 
And he said, I never heard of the guy, you know? <laughs> In French, he said, never heard of the guy. Oh. So I looked and I looked and I looked and I found it. And next to him was the same size stone of his brother, Theo, mm-hmm. who was an art dealer mm-hmm. who bought one of Vincent's paintings. Now, you can, why didn't he buy all of Vincent's paintings? Just to help him. Mm-hmm. I never understood that. And so Vincent went insane and mm-hmm. shot himself because no one understood what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And now the museums of the world are filled with his artwork. And competing for them and paying inordinate sums of money. A, a few months ago, a Japanese collector paid $190 million for the paintings of the irises. Do you know that painting? Yes. The yes. blue irises. A very simple painting of flowers. Mm-hmm. When I went to the insane asylum at, at, uh, in, in uh, San Remy, I walked into the little courtyard, and there were the irises that he painted. Oh. The sons of the sons of the sons of the, of the irises that he painted were still growing there. Wow. And the, it's $190 million. Amazing. Just incredible. Yes. And, that, and that's the mystery of the life of the artist, which I try to talk about in this book, because you don't know when you do something whether it's good or bad. But you do it because you feel it, mm-hmm. and you want to do it, and you have to do it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, next time you do your painting, Anastasia, why don't you sign it? Because <laughs> I, I know you've never signed one, have you? No. You see? No. It's, it's you know, because they're, they're, they're for for my, my entertainment and the... Um, I know. I, I have a very select viewing audience, which is my husband. No, but I, what I'm saying is... And that's not always a good viewing audience, by the way. It's a very dangerous audience. Oh, he's very supportive. Well, good for him, but often is not. But what I'm saying to you is that next, could you do this as a personal favor to me? Mm-hmm. Next time you finish a painting, sign it, Anastasia. Ooh. And then, and then look at it because it will change you. It will change your insides. It will change your feelings about yourself. Hmm. In fact, don't show it to anybody. Put it in the closet. Mm-hmm. But once you sign a piece of artwork or once you write a book and your name is on the cover or once you do a dance and you're the choreographer, Mm -hmm. it changes you. It means something. Here I am. Look at me. What do you think? Yeah, it does. It really, it makes a difference. Um, Uh, Henri Rousseau, the the French painter. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know his work. Yes. Um, Every year he would go to the academy, which was a dangerous place to show your work. Yes, it is. He would, he would put his canvas on his bicycle and ride it to the academy. Mm-hmm. And he would show up in shabby clothes because he was poor, of course. Mm-hmm. And he would hang his painting on the wall. And he would stand there as thousands of people walked by, the intelligentsia, the conoscenti, you know, mm-hmm. the well-dressed Parisiens. And they would laugh at the painting and point it and laugh at it, how primitive it was. Because he was a primitive. Mm-hmm. But primitive is not a bad word. No. no. And he would stand next to the painting as I did this. And can you imagine how much that hurt him? But he continued to paint. And now, of course, the museums of the world have his paintings. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to go through as an artist. Mm-hmm. You have to suffer the slings and arrows of, of, you know, of people's ridicule. Mm-hmm. I, I used to say to my students again, sorry, but mm-hmm. first you're ridiculed. Then you're reviled, <laughs> and then you're revered. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the steps that great art has to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's actually in San Francisco. Um, we just had um, a comprehensive um, exhibition of Impressionist paintings open. Wow. Oh, how and, wonderful. And, you know, 
we all just kind of, oh yeah, the Impressionists, da 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 da. It's like, no, no, at the time that they all started painting, you know, they were called names, they were rejected, they were called crazy, they were they told couldn't, They couldn't get a taxi. You know, no. it was incredible. And now, you know, again, museums are spending incredible amounts of money to display these works. And I, I do want to go and see it just because it's supposed to be quite... Oh, you must, you, you must, know, you must. You must. It's, it's, it just, they just had the members opening um, a couple of nights ago. I think it actually opens to the public this week. And um, but looks just stunning. But yeah, but at the time, you know, like you said, they couldn't get a taxi. No one would invite them to dinner. But if they were alive now, you know, everybody would be trying to buy them a drink. Exactly. Well, it's the same way with Vincent, Vincent Van Gogh. Mm-hmm. He was alive today. He would have a psychi- New York psychiatrist, <laughs> and he would have an agent in Paris, mm-hmm. and he'd be having a great time. Oh yeah. Because he wouldn't be crazy today. No, he'd just be an artist. Today he'd be eccentric, and the people would invite him to parties, you know? Mm-hmm. He'd be the guy with the five ties arriving at the door, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it is a matter of patience and persistence, but if that's really, you know, if that's what you feel, if that's your creative impulse, you have to honor it. And it's as valid as any other artist. Mm-hmm. In fact, I've been on juries to jury selection for shows, for exhibitions. Mm-hmm. I, I never could decide because they were all equal to me. Mm-hmm. The guy who could draw the perfect body and it was just, he was like Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Or the person who drew a stupid bird with a broken wing. Mm-hmm. They were the same. Because mm-hmm. it's an authentic, unique expression. Exactly. Yeah. When I lived in New York City, uh, I lived across the street from the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Oh, wow. Which was a great blessing. Yes. Wow. 80th and 5th. It was great. Uh-huh. Anyway, so every day I went to the museum. And uh, in New York, when you enter the museum and pay this outrageous amount of money to go in, mm-hmm. they give you this little metal pin that you place somewhere in your clothing. Yes. So they know that you paid. So after a week, I had all seven pins. <laughs> they were different colors. Mm-hmm. And after that, I was free. I went in for free because I had that pin for the day. I had the blue one. Oh, it's Tuesday. I got the blue one. Right. <laughs> And I spent lots and lots of time in the Impressionist room. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite artists is Degas. Yes. Degas. Well, what an artist. And then there's so many, Sicily and, oh, well, just, you know. You, and I spent so much time in those rooms. And as an artist, looking kind of scruffy with a sketch pad, you're <laughs> allowed to sit down on the floor. Right. Draw, which right. is very cool. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's one of the things I love. Um, you don't see it as much in American museums. Um, but in European museums, everywhere you go, people are sketching or, Absolutely. you know, with, with special permission, they can actually set up their palettes and paint. Absolutely. Which I think is fantastic. Of course, because that's the whole point, you know. <laughs> and, you know, um, when you get a chance to copy a painting, and I, the copying is not a wonderful thing, but when, you, when you're in the Louvre in Paris and you're copying the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. you learn a lot. Mm-hmm. You learn how to make that green color mm-hmm. and, how, and what's with the smile. You know? Right. How do, how do you actually capture that? Because well, it's not just the shape of it. You, know. you capture it in your own way. Mm-hmm. It might not look the same, but it's your own unique artwork. In fact, uh, I've, uh, I've, I've been asked many times to reproduce pieces of art that I've done. Mm-hmm. I can't do it. No. I don't even want to do it, but even if I try, I can't do it. Because mm-hmm. every time I'm different, mm-hmm. the artwork is different, the time is different. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's... it's um, it's such a mystery. Art, the arts, the arts, I must say, because it's not just art. Mm-hmm. It's the arts. Mm-hmm. And often illustration, which I did a lot of and love, is not considered an art form. 
and it should be. Of course it should be. In fact, Andy Warhol, who was a shoe artist when he started, mm-hmm. used to do drawings for the New York Times of women's shoes for, <laughs> for advertising. Really? No, it's true. I Magnum shoes. Uh-huh. He was very well known for it, too. And uh, one day he said, hey, forget about this. And then he became the Andy Warhol that we know. Mm-hmm. Right. The guy wearing a blonde wig and, and a woman's girdle and mm-hmm. you know, that guy. But his illustrations are now being sold for the same amount of money as his major paintings. Mm-hmm. Because illustration is the same thing. Yeah. A poem is just as good as a 600-page novel. Mm-hmm. In fact, often better because it's quicker. <laughs> and it's more precise. Through all that conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it really doesn't matter you know, what medium you express yourself in, but you have to express yourself. Not only trust in yourself, but uh, believe in yourself, which mm-hmm. is even more important. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes trust, you, 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 you can make a mistake. Mm-hmm. In fact, I said to my students, there's no such thing as a mistake in art. One day I spilled a bottle of ink while I was doing a drawing for the New York Times, mm-hmm. and it flowed all over the paper, and I said, hey, wow, that's beautiful. Let me work on that. <laughs> and I made it into this wonderful drawing. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as a mistake in art. Mm-hmm. So saying, oh, no, I... But if you believe in yourself, you keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's the answer. I, th- I think that's the answer to your question is, you know, how long can I keep doing this? And the answer is always, as, always, as long as I believe exactly. in myself. I'm still doing it. But at the time that I wrote that particular piece, I, I had really come to an end. Mm-hmm. I had I had been uh, in, in illustration. One of the problems is that you send your portfolio all over New York City or San Francisco or wherever you live. Mm hmm. Somebody, some art director in an agency sees it and says, ah, this is the guy. I want this guy. Mm-hmm. You go in all dressed up with your best tie and your best shirt, you know, and your one jacket that you have. <laughs> and they give you breakfast, croissants, you know, mm-hmm. hot coffee. It's, it's lovely. It's lovely to be loved. <laughs> and they, they say, well, here's what we want you to do, blah, 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 blah. And you go home and you work for two weeks, like all night and all day, going crazy, making it perfect, doing mm-hmm. it just the way. It's me. I signed it. And you bring it in. The art director isn't there. I'm sorry, he just stepped out. You know, he's in a meeting. Mm-hmm. And so you leave it with somebody. And the next day, the art director calls you and says, there's been a change in the campaign, what they call a campaign in advertising. Right. Well, we want you to redo it by tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. Uh. So you run over there and you get it and you go home and you, you, you're up all night trying to keep one little bit of yourself in there mm-hmm. because the art director said he wanted it to look like Mr. So-and-so, another illustrator. Mm-hmm. They didn't really want you. They wanted this other guy, but they right. couldn't afford him. Right. So you finally you bring it in. There it is. They accept it. And then finally it's printed. So you go and buy the magazine on a street corner in New York City, you know, and you open it to the page and there's your drawing. Of course, half of it's covered by typography, <laughs> Yeah. And, then, and the colors are all wrong, and it's out of focus, and they've removed your signature. <sighs> That's the illustrators of, oh, and by the way, this is another chapter in my book that I'm telling you now. Mm-hmm. And at the end of all that, you wait eight months for the check, Oh. which wasn't a lot of money to begin with, but, you know, you're going to get thrown out of your apartment. Mm-hmm. So you, I went begging in, in to, to the agency, begging the accounting department. Please, please give me my check. I even cried sometimes just mm-hmm. to heighten the effect. Mm-hmm. And finally, they hand you the check, which is already spent. Right. That's the life of the illustrator. 
And yet he's a great artist, the old mm -hmm. or he or she is a great artist. Mm -hmm. But that's what people do to the arts in this country. Mm -hmm. They beat you down. They make you disappear. They don't need it. They don't need, nobody needs art. You know what today's list is for most people? Top of the list is mortgage. Pay the mortgage. Mm -hmm. uh, pay off the car. Kids' education. Food. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And down, way down at the bottom of the list is art. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs it. Mm -hmm. But yet, it's one of the most needed things in the world. Mm -hmm. Art can change the world. Mm -hmm. A song you hear changes your life. Mm -hmm. The words of the song change your life. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's... it's it is an essential, and yet people don't think of it as a necessity. Right, exactly. And I think Thank you for understanding that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, it, it's, I, I have a lot of friends who are making livings to varying degrees doing the arts. And um, actually, the graphic artist who does a lot of work for us, our logos, our websites, um, some, uh, some, some projects my spouse is working on as well. Um, yeah, we, we, we found him completely by accident. We were very fortunate um, very bright young man, very talented. And it's just so nice to actually be able to help him. You know, keeping him alive. Yeah. It's, it's How like, beautiful. you know, he can, he can do his art and make a living at it. And How beautiful. That's a really, you know, you're really doing a good thing there. That's great. Well, you know, and, and it's just, you know, he does this amazing work and like I said, he's incredibly talented and he's very responsible. He turns things around. Generally, I'm the holdup. It's not, I'm waiting for the artist. The artist is waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh my God, but you know, we're, we're very fortunate, but it's nice to be able to help someone along in right livelihood like that. Mm -hmm. Could you uh, tell, tell him hello from me? Sure. And tell him he's doing great and keep going? Sure, absolutely. One of the, one of the words in uh, the advertising business and the graphic arts business is deadline. Mm -hmm. We have a deadline. Mm -hmm. That means if you don't cross that line in time, you're dead. <laughs> exactly. And which is a terrible pressure to put on our artists because artists work when they feel it. Mm -hmm. You can't do it on demand. That's, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I don't know. I think Chris maybe does because either that or he just feels it all the time because he is prolific. That's great. Good and, for him. You know, and like I said, we, we're just so fortunate that he came into our lives or we came into his or however it happened. Um, well, but, the, the energy puts you together, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's funny because when we first encountered him, he was doing lettering in a comic book. Wow. So we, we didn't even know, like, all of his, you know, artistic capabilities. Wow. And then it That's just kind of... really low on the totem pole job. Wow. Yeah. And and then it just kind of came out that oh well you know I do all this graphic design and illustration and it's like oh well you know try this you know try a small project right because you don't want to. <laughs> did he do your logo? Yes, he he cool. did the logo for um, all three of our companies. Um, he did the he designed all of our website templates. Um, he's also um, actually working on yet another one for us. <laughs> And um, he's done a lot of work for my spouse's companies, and um, we've actually referred him to some of our colleagues. Great. And it's interesting how he's able to do all this work, all this design work for all these very different companies with very different kind of focus, very different target audience, yeah. and yet it works. It's just, you know, working with a really talented person is always such a that's, thrill. See, that's the talent, to be mm -hmm. able to change your head and do something that people want but still remain true to yourself. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Tell them hello from me, okay? For I will. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's sweet. We, we just got very lucky. But, okay. uh, anyway, well, great. Well, I think, 
Oh my goodness, look, we, the time has been flying here. <laughs> well, you cut most of it out anyway, but... Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, no, no. It's, it's have to tidy up a little bit here and there with some of the background noise, but no, this has all been great and wonderful, and we really appreciate your time tonight, David. And not one fire engine? I'm really disappointed. No, no fire engine, no police siren, no, oh my God. no group of motorcyclists. I mean, one time we had this gigantic group of motorcyclists go by, <laughs> and it was like, well, we'll just wait about three and a half minutes here. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, I live uh, just off uh, Pacific Coast Highway in, uh, in Newport Beach. Oh, nice. Alabama. And every Saturday and Sunday, the motorcyclists, mobs of them, come roaring through town. Yeah. And of course, not one of them has a muffler. Oh, no. No, no. Because that, that, that would, no, that's not, not cool. a manly man kind of thing to no, do. No, it's not. No, it's not cool. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's my, my mother-in-law lived in Malibu. And um, so, you know, right off Pacific Coast Highway, and you just the, the whole flock of them going up and down the Every freeway. Every weekend. Yeah. It's like, I hope it rains. And then I'd have to stay home. <laughs> it's July, but I hope it rains. Um, hey, well, thank you so much for your time, David. This has been such a delight. It's been a pleasure for me, too. Thank you. And, thank you both. This has been wonderful. And such a treat. And um, oh, thank you, Rose. Thank you. Thank you to our engineer, Christoph. Thank you to our listeners. Um, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions about any of the podcasts, drop us a note, tarot at tarotpathways.com. And we'll be talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.